The Heart of Art is sponsored in part by the Texas A&M University Art Galleries, which includes the Stark and Forsyth Galleries located inside the MSC. The galleries provide a variety of opportunities to experience art exhibitions, events, and hands-on activities. More information at uart.tamu.edu. The Heart of Art is brought to you by the Academy for the Visual and Performing Arts at Texas A&M University, bringing innovative and culturally diverse visual and performing arts programming to Texas A&M University and the Brazos Valley. The Academy for the Visual and Performing Arts fosters the creativity of our community via the transformative power of the arts. The Heart of Art, scoping the Brussels Valley for the best artists and bringing them to your radio. Hello, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to the Kami Studios. My name is Hector Nino, and you're listening to The Heart of Art. Today in the studio, we have a very special show planned for you. We have a couple guests for today and our new guest, Dr. Andreas Cronenberg, president of Friends of Chamber Music, as well as a geography professor here at Texas A&M. He is also Michael T. Halbudi chair. Uh, he is here to present Midori Goto uh, for us, who is a violinist that will be coming February 7th at 7 p.m. at Roto Theater. Uh, but sadly, since we had this interview, um, they have now been sold out. Uh, so uh, we will still have uh, Dr. Cronenberg introduce Midori, but you will no longer be able to get tickets. We also have a conversation about geology and its relationship to music. So make sure to stay tuned for that. Uh, my second guest will be a revisit with my interview with Trace Stevens, who is the painter of the Spirit of Aggieland. He is class of 08 and combines comedy, art, and his love for A&M. If you'd like to check out his work uh, before we have our talk, his website is tracestevensart.com. All right, now for the art announcements. Uh, next week, February 2nd, uh, Thursday at 7 p.m., the MSC Visual Arts Committee will be hosting a closing reception for Questionable Foods. Um, by artist Kathleen Elliott. So she will be here and talking about her glass sculptures that reimagine the way we look at food. And this will take place at Jamin's R. Reynolds Gallery, which is in the second floor of the MSC. This is also free admission. So if you want to take advantage of this chance to speak to this artist, Kathleen, I would encourage you to do so. That'll be next week, February 2nd. All right, let's start my interview with Dr. Andreas Cronenberg, president of Friends of Chamber Music. Hello, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to the KMU Studios. My name is Hector Nino, and you're listening to The Heart of Art. Today in the studio, we have a very special guest. He is the president of Friends of Chamber Music. He is also a professor of geology here at Texas A&M and is the Michael T. Halbudi Chair. His name is Dr. Andreas Cronenberg. Hi, Andy. How are you today? Uh, hello. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm very excited for a conversation today. Um, I know that there's somebody really big coming to the Brazos Valley, and it's um, because of the Friends of Chambers that she is going to be here. Uh, would you mind introducing her a bit? Yeah, so this is a, a, a world-class uh, violinist, Midori, and, and this is really, this concert's an opportunity of the century for us. And she's going to perform in College Station on her 40th anniversary tour, uh, 
right before her concert at Carnegie Hall. So we have a, an amazing opportunity. Unless you want to get on a flight to New York City, this is where you want to go. Yeah, Carnegie, and, uh, right in, in our neck of the woods. Yes, that's right. Yes. And and this, this whole tour is commemorating her first performance with the New York Philharmonic. Oh. And she was just 11 years old at that time. No way. <laughs> 11 years old? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So... So, yeah, this is a must-see concert, and, and it's February 7th, uh, 7 p.m. at Rudder Theater, so it's easy to get to. Um, and not only is Midori such a great artist, but she also loves to give back to kids specifically. Yeah. Um, I know that she has, like, some profits in New York and in yeah. Japan. Um, so that's awesome that she's so talented right. but also wants to give back. She she has so many awards, it's hard to count them up. But oh, what's yeah. interesting about it is she's used the proceeds from these awards to essentially start out programs for underprivileged children to be exposed to music, and she's just uh, a wonderful person. Yeah, so she has a great message, so she definitely deserves all this praise that she is getting. Well, um, I did want to talk a little bit about your involvement in the Friends of Chamber Music, and um, you're the president, right? Yeah, that's okay. right. And what that's does right. that entail? Well, so as president of the board, um, I, of course, support the most uh, the most important part is the fantastic work that our artistic director does, and that's that's Elena Reese. And she finds us just amazing, outstanding musicians, often in the early stages of their career, to come perform here. Mm. And then, of course, uh, I work together with the board, and a main issue is raising funds. We basically try to offer concerts at the lowest possible pr- cost to, to students, to anybody in any income level. And so to do that, um, we, we do fundraising and write grants. And and the best part, to be honest, to be be president is uh, actually visiting and, and meeting the musicians themselves. Oh, yeah, that must be exciting. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I had Elena here for the Samara Joy concert, ah, and uh-huh. uh, I was able to attend that, and that was amazing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Samara Joy is absolutely amazing, and I doubt we'll be able to afford her next year. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, that was a once in a century. <laughs> yeah, that's right, that's right. Um, and how long have you been a member of the Friends of Chamber Music? I have actually, you know, funny thing is I didn't know about them at first, and that's one of the problems is how to market things. Right. You know, we're all bombarded with so much advertising, mm-hmm. but I didn't know about them for a while, and then I just heard it actually on KAMU. Really? Uh, I listened to it, and I said, oh, well, that sounds like interesting, and awesome. I didn't know about them, and I started going to the concerts, and eventually I, I joined the board, and then, uh, and then... During COVID times, I became president at a very tough time. <laughs> oh, but you took that challenge. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And what do you think the Bra- uh, the Brazos Valley gets from having an organization like this? Well, I think what's nice is we actually have a number of um, organizations that do classical music and fine arts in, mm-hmm. in the area. So, so we're not the only ones, but what we offer that's different from others is maybe a little bit more with chamber music, kind of intimate music. It's mm-hmm. not a grand orchestra. If, if you want to hear a great symphony, we have a, a, an orchestra in town. If you want choral music, we have the Brazos Valley Chorale. But if you're interested in hearing maybe two musicians, last year we had harp and violin, and they, and they played for us, and it was just astounding sounds. And it's it's quieter, it's more intimate, and we try to offer ways that the audience can meet with the the musicians and and talk about music. Mm-hmm, yeah, I mean, yeah. When I was at the Samara Joy concert, it was very intimate. It was like we yeah. were in just one small room hearing yeah. her, and it was such a such a special experience. Yeah. I guess I want to go into more of your musical experience. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I saw that you went to UCLA and yeah. Brown. 
Yeah, that's right. That's right. right. And were you involved in music while you were there? I think the UCLA Orchestra was very generous to allow me to play with them for oh. one semester. <laughs> really? But I soon realized that I am way out of my league. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, but I thought it was generous of them to allow me as a student in a science to play along with them. And right. uh, boy, it was amazing just to hear... I, the speed we played, everything was just way beyond my ability. So, so I knew better than to stick with it. But, but it was a, a fantastic experience. Hmm. I, I found that interesting. That despite you know your concentration in geology, mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm guessing your BS was in geology. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. Um, why keep music there? You know, like you still were persistent on keeping music in your life. Well. You know, there is a famous uh, geophysicist at UCLA that actually had joint appointments between music and geophysics, and mm -hmm. he actually wrote pieces. He did very interesting new kinds of compositions. He was wow. great on the piano, uh, but he also did geophysics. And I think there is sort of a link. The discipline it takes to, to learn music and, and play it well is not that different from the discipline it takes to become a professional. I'd say more than just science, but many professions. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. Because, I mean, to me, I don't really see the relationship between geology and music. It's yeah, something yeah. so stagnant, right, <laughs> you right. know, it's just something so fluid. Right, um, right. But that's inter interesting that you, they do both um, require dedication. Right, they right. do. Mm -hmm. And what is your choice of instrument? Oh, my, my choice of instrument is cello primarily. Mm -hmm. And um, and basically, I take lessons uh, in town here still. So despite being a senior student, I, I, I still take cello lessons. Lifelong learner. Yeah. Awesome. And, and I have had, not too many years ago, we had a, a string quartet in the Department of Geology. Uh, oh. And and my my chagrin is all students graduate and all my other quartet members left. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> so, but it was fun for the time. Oh, I bet. And what type of music do you gravitate towards? What are what are some of your favorites? Oh, so I mean, I I actually have a very wide range of music. You know, and started out with classical music, um, and then it's actually broadened with time. And I think, for example, Samara Joy is is a good example. And I've actually been amazed the link between classical music and jazz. I would have said before that was not really true, but it is today both by the audience members and people who perform music. Right, yeah. I mean, um, I found it interesting even through Samara how she's kind of bringing jazz into a modern era. Yeah. Um, yeah. As well as the classical. Yeah, you know? she's, yeah, she's an interesting blend of bringing in what, what you'd think of as classical jazz um, but by a very young artist and bringing kind of new sounds to it and, oh, and yeah. new interpretations. Mm -hmm. I, w I noticed that Midori uses four different bows. Oh. Um, I, I, I don't know why that's important, and I was wondering if you could maybe let us know why the, the type of bow that she uses is so important. Oh, I think, you know, I, I don't know the finesse that she would, she would expect of a bow, but what I know when I started cello I was told, oh, you have a great cello, but your bow is terrible. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, what's wrong with it? It's a Pernambuco. It should be good. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't have much bounce. And so I got a new bow that I like a lot more. And I also got a Baroque bow, which gives a softer feeling for Baroque music. Oh. But I don't know all the reasons she might choose. The, these days, bows are becoming complicated. You still have the wonderful old Pernambuco-type bows, but you now have carbon fiber. There are all sorts of new things, electronic violins. And, oh, wow. and so it's a whole new world out there. I, I think you'd almost have to ask her the reason she loves each of those four bows. Right. But, but they do have different characters. And 
we often concentrate on the instrument and not the bow. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've learned the hard way, oh, yeah, my bow was not very good. I, uh-huh. I needed a new bow. <laughs> it's also a big part of it. Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah, I, I just saw that part about the bows, and I had mm-hmm. no idea why. So I, uh-huh. I guess it's because of the quality of the tone, right, you would say? And the kind of music. If, if you want mm-hmm. a really wonderful legato, or maybe you have a very, very fast, uh, you know, sequences of notes and things like that, you know, you okay. choose a different bow. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I don't think a lot of people know a lot about the cello. Do ah. you think um, there are some misconceptions that people have that you think you might want to clarify for some people? Oh, wow. Um, I actually am attracted to cello for the conventional reasons. And, and mm. I would just say, I, I love the the mellow, lower tones of the bass clef. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I actually started on trombone uh, in the bass clef. Huh. Um, and we would peek over the shoulders of the cello section and play their part because we didn't have many notes mm, in, a, right. in, a, in a symphony. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the director would say, trombones, what, what are you doing playing at this point? That's the cello part. Yeah. Um, but I, I learned that, okay, I, I, I'll switch to cello. <laughs> yeah, I might as well, <laughs> if you're already playing the notes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what is something that uh, you want to tell our audience that you don't think we might have addressed yet? Well, I, I guess, you know, to some degree, you, you asked me about, you know, is there anything about science and, and, and uh, or geology and uh, music that go together? And, and one slight hobby I'm hoping to do more in the future is that as I've done geology in the American West, I've come across some great locations where there are cliffs of the Red Entrada sandstone that have a fantastic echo. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and so I've actually tried taking my cello to those locations oh, and wow. playing there so that I play and interrupt and listen to the echo come back, which is mm-hmm. a lot of fun. Um, wow. Interestingly, I learned that one of the America's great geologists, uh, John Wesley Powell, who actually was the first guy to go down the Colorado River, oh. um, actually wrote about the best echoes in the Grand Canyon. So <laughs> there's a lot to explore. Yeah, wow. I had never even thought about that. Yeah, like the, the acoustics that would oh, be yeah. created. And these, of... these sandstone cliffs are just, they bounce sound in different ways. Um, yeah, they're just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, um, I, I'm not really exactly sure where, but I had heard that there was an album um, where each song was recorded in a different area or in ah. a different city. Oh, wonderful. And that you can hear even like the sounds oh, of like cars on the yeah. road and that made it really interesting. But I mean, I'm thinking maybe someone could make an album mm-hmm. with different, in, at different landscapes, right. you know, right. that would be very interesting. And, and what's also interesting about these locations of excellent echoes in the American West is that clearly the um, Native Americans knew about this long ago. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that statistically you can find more petroglyphs in areas that have excellent echoes than anywhere else. So they must have liked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were definitely there for a reason then, yeah. huh? Yeah. <laughs> wow, Andy, thank you so much for stopping by yeah. and uh, helping us uh, find out more about Midori. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate it so much. And even learning more about geology and music and yeah. how they uh, have a relationship between each other. Okay. Too. And I, I look forward to seeing you at the Midori concert. This this truly is a sensation. And thanks. Just a quick reminder, the Midori Goto concert has been sold out since this interview was taken. All right, you guys, we will be going on a quick break, but do not go anywhere. We will be right back. Support for KAMU is provided by the Academy for the Visual and Performing Arts, presenting Vision Duo. Violinist Ariel Horowitz and percussionist Britton Renee Collins perform classical works with a contemporary twist on Thursday, February 2nd at 7 p.m. in Rudder Theater. 
More information at academyarts.tamu.edu. Alright, you guys, now we will be revisiting my interview with Trey Stevens, painter of the Spirit of Aggieland. So, hi Trey, how are you today? Hi, I'm doing great, Hector. Thanks you so much for having me on, and uh, I'm excited to just get to talk and share about my art and why I do it. Awesome, yeah, I mean, I love how you blended your love for A&M with your love for art and into one and making masterpieces, so <laughs> thank you so much for that. Yeah, sure, it's, it's exciting. It's... Um, you know, obviously two of my passions and uh, perfect niche living here in Bryan College Station. Right. Um, get to really connect with uh, my subject and then clientele. So, yeah, a lot of demand for mm, that. For <laughs> sure, for sure. Uh, well, I like to go through the background of my guests before we go into the art of it all. Uh, so what, where would you call your hometown? And did, your, did you come from an Aggie family that kind of raised you with that love for Aggies? Yeah, so um, I grew up in New Braunfels area, okay. and um, in my my uh, parents didn't go to college. Actually, I'm first generation college student. Um, so, um, by the grace of God, got into Texas A&M, and um, kind of following the uh, steps of my sister, my older sister. Um, but got into A&M and um, struggled at first, but uh, finally made it. Graduated with a degree in ag leadership. Um, got married to my college sweetheart, and uh, we decided to stay here in town and uh, make College Station home. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, um, that's that's a, a quick snapshot of my background. But um, as far as um, art and how that came into my life, mm -hmm. um, I've always loved to draw, and um, my mom really fostered that she always provided me what I needed to uh to make that happen and um always encouraged me with it but um I really didn't kick it off until um probably 2009 2008-2009 when um I was just getting a lot of requests for commissions and um I actually went through cancer then and so in 2008, right after we graduated, right out first year of marriage, going through cancer, and uh, I couldn't sleep at night. So what else would I do? I started to draw and um, started picking up commissions and, and doing that and experiment with different mediums, uh, like you mentioned earlier. Um, but now we're, what, 13 years removed from all that. Um, and... Uh, strong, healthy, and excited to begin creating art in this uh, Aggie niche. That's awesome that you were able to tunnel that energy towards something, you know, in yeah. going through such a big life experience like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely a gift from the Lord. Mm -hmm. um, and what was it about A&M that drew you to it? Um, it was the only school I applied to. Nice. So <laughs> I, uh, that's, not, that's not smart for all you guys listening out there. It's better to... Uh, to have multiple options, but um, got in, and uh, it was truly, truly um, a miracle. Um, really excited to have that opportunity, grateful for that. Um, but, you know, A&M was just such a, a natural place. We got to come to a lot of football games. My sister was in the core, oh, um, and so I followed suit and, and joined the core as well. Um, 
found lifelong buddies in it. And, uh, you know, within the core, you know, every student is going to engage in the traditions and experience the history and, um, and all that is Aggie. Um, but, you know, being in the core, I felt like we had a even deeper connection to it. And, uh, it was, it was an awesome life-changing experience for me. Um, but, um, I, I just feel that it's a natural connection to my art and, 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 um, being, being a passion of mine, I just, it's just kind of so obvious. It's right there in front of me and I just need to take it. So, I mean, yeah, the core is definitely like submerged in all the traditions here at a and For like, sure. Yeah. It's a really important part. Yeah. Um, but I also see that something big within your paintings that I noticed is a focus on family and family virtues. Uh, you mentioned your mom and that I saw that she would tell you that you had the talent. Um, did you not believe her or was, did you find the life of an artist intimidating or, or what was that about? Oh yeah. No, I, you know, mom's, that's mom's job, right? Mm -hmm. To encourage and nurture and love. So sure. I believed her and I guess that gave me confidence to continue with it. Um, she still encourages me to this day, but, um, I think that, um, I was always scared that you can't make a career out of it. You can't pay the bills with it. So, you know, me saying that I, I work a full-time job, uh, for a company in town, Kentmore cabinets. And so, um, finding the time to do art comes late at night on the weekends kind of thing. And so, um, I also mentioned that I'm married. Well, I have also have four daughters, so oh, wow. lots to wrangle. Um, yes. So sometimes, you know, art doesn't start until um, 9 p.m. at the earliest um, and can last to 2 or 3 a.m. So oh, wow. um, while, while that's still in the back of my head, like you can't, you can't make money doing artwork, um, I think it's just a fear, you know, it's, it's something I need to overcome, overcome, but, um, I feel, I feel ready and, you know, confident and, um, my name's slowly getting out there and uh, I'm just started. So oh, yeah. this is just the beginning and, uh, yeah. So, and I mean, I know one of these big pieces that have gotten your name out there is the outside the commissioner's office. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Would you like to tell our audience a little bit about what that is? Yeah. So, um, one of my, um, I guess idols in the art world is Norman Rockwell. Right. Um, and I bet you 90% of artists out there would probably say the same thing. But um, I, I just was so inspired by his pieces and, and you know, being a kind of a creative-minded person, um, kind of put two and two together when all that was going down with Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban. So um, <laughs> it was really all intended to make some of my uh, buddies laugh and uh, started out as a sketch and um, I posted it on Facebook and it went you know semi viral you know small town viral and um, and so I decided heck let's paint this thing and uh, painted it and it was it was even more popular so oh, yeah. um, as far as you know Aggie artwork that would be my first um, and so when I say I'm just at the very beginnings, I'm, I'm months into this journey. Um, I have, you know, lists and hopes to create much more art. 
um, ideas there in my head. I just need models and and uh, just the creative drive to finish the, out the projects, um, see them through. But uh, they're there, and I'm excited for my next works. Nice. Well, I'm excited to see what comes next. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. The when you mentioned Norman Rockwell, like that's I think very evident that you are inspired by him and also that because I think a big thing of Rockwell's was that he um, like focused on American traditional mm-hmm. moments you know mm-hmm. and and I, I love that you're mixing that with A&M because I think that's also really um, intertwined you know right. American culture within A&M so yeah I mean that, that was just perfect um, were there any teachers along the way apart from your mom that you know inspired you or taught you something um you know, in in high school, I uh, failed art because, oh, no. um, yeah, yeah, I failed art because I didn't like doing the projects that they'd assign you, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's hard to force um, a creative-minded person. It's hard to force a person, you know, to to create something when they're when they're not in that mode or. Um, you know, confine them into a box of this is what you're doing. Right. Now, I learned a lot of really good skills and methods, and I had good art teachers, but um, the the most influential teacher I had for art was actually my um, Spanish teacher, AP Spanish teacher, Mr. Senor Stewart. Really? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. He, How was that? <laughs> yeah, right? Oh, he, he had always... He was a creative guy, but he had always um, come up with ideas that uh, I could draw pictures for him um, to better explain uh, Spanish phrases around the class. So I'd draw oh. posters for him and stuff to put up around the class. <laughs> and he was just really encouraging with art and, uh, you know, making sure that I continued it and chased it. So. Yeah. Awesome. Great. <laughs> it's always good to have Spanish yeah. teachers that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. It's 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 bizarre, but um, it's he was definitely very influential to me. Great. Um, could you describe what your artistic process is like? Like, where do you start, and then how do you get to your finished point? Oh, okay. Um. Well, uh, the best place to start with art is always drink a lot of coffee. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Make Some sure you're fueled up. Right. <laughs> um. No. So. While coffee's important, um, is love of mine too, just like art and A&M. But um, <laughs> it starts with the creative process, and, you know, it's, it'll start with um, small sketches. Um, well, even before that, it starts with your, uh, your ideas, your concepts, dreams, and all that. Taking notes about all that and then forming it into a sketch and, uh, and then doing something with it. So right now I have, you know, sketches galore, ideas galore, sitting there waiting to be refined and worked on and made into that masterpiece. But, um, um, you know, whenever, whenever I am in that creative space and uh, excited about a piece, if, if I don't jump on it right then, it's, it's going to be a struggle to get on because you never know when that time is going to come again. Um, so when I, when I get that, like for this uh, last piece outside the commissioner's office, um, it was uh, a lunch break, did that sketch. Really? And, um, and then worked on it a little bit that evening, but it t- took me about six hours to, to do that sketch. And then 
about 60 hours to do the painting. And uh, so all of that was done. That painting was done actually on a three-day weekend, one one weekend. Just I painted almost that 60 hours straight and then knocked it out. Um, but, uh, you know, that the other piece I have is that Reveille, Queen Reveille. Um, and uh, that's... Uh, that's another one of those just weird creative things. It comes in your head and uh, you gotta do something with it. And so I took that opportunity to paint it and it turned out pretty good and and people like it too. But um, that was something I'm giving away on the website too. Some some prints of that Reveille um, right. on my Instagram actually. But. I mean, it definitely paid off because one thing that I want to mention about the outside the commissioner's office is their expressions are okay. so comedic. Like <laughs> yeah. Nick Saban's like looking at the commissioner, like really oh, worried. Yeah. And then Jimbo has like a little, a little smirk, smirk on his face. Mm-hmm. It's just so funny. Well, thank you so much, Trey. I mean, thank you for stopping by and, you know, we got a little sneak peek of what your career is going to be like. So I'm wishing you the best in your future. And I can't wait to see what you come up with. Oh, thank you so much, Hector. Thank you for having me. And it was, it was really fun. Appreciate it. All right, you guys, that is our show. I did want to give a last reminder that the Midori Goto concert is sold out. Uh, but a huge thank you to Dr. Andy Cronenberg for stopping by here at the KME Studios and presenting her for us and talking to us a little bit about your love for music and geology. And a big thank you to our listeners. And make sure to tune in next week. I'm Hector Nino, and you've been listening to The Heart of Art, a production of 90.9 KAMU-FM. You can find all of our shows anytime at kamu.tamu.edu. The Heart of Art is brought to you by the Academy for the Visual and Performing Arts at Texas A&M University, bringing innovative and culturally diverse visual and performing arts programming to Texas A&M University and the Brazos Valley. The Academy for the Visual and Performing Arts fosters the creativity of our community via the transformative power of the arts. The Heart of Art is sponsored in part by the Texas A&M University Art Galleries, which includes the Stark and Forsyth Galleries located inside the MSC. The galleries provide a variety of opportunities to experience art exhibitions, events, and hands-on activities. More information at uart.tamu.edu.